Today on the Potsky, we're taking a look at the Forgotten Royal Rumble as we review Royal Rumble 2004 and we kick off a brand new weekly segment of the show with Fan of the Week. The Podsky starts now. The Podsky with John Baker. For over one year, the revolutionary force in audio entertainment. Hello and welcome to the Podsky. I'm your host, Johnny Bake Show, and joining me ringside, we got Teddy Mongoose and Justin Andretti. It is episode 82, and we're going to review the Forgotten Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble 2004, and it is officially Royal Rumble week, so we're going to get you all fired up for this weekend's Royal Rumble and officially get on the road to WrestleMania, and since it is Royal Rumble season, this is a good time to... Uh, remind everybody, all of our listeners, that uh, we're going to follow the road to WrestleMania 20 this year here on the Podski as we're going to do Royal Rumble 2004 today. We're going to do No Way Out 2004 in a few weeks, and then we're going to cap it off with a review of WrestleMania 20 as we get closer to WrestleMania. So if you want to look ahead, you can always check it out uh, on the socials at the underscore Posky on Twitter and Instagram. They're going to be pinned to the top with the monthly show topics. So with that, we got our co-hosts, Teddy and Justin. How we doing, boys? The toast of the coast is here. I'm ready to fuck. Let's go. Let's get right into it. <laughs> hey, I want to, hey, before he even gets a chance to speak, I want to, I want to, I want to say something real quick. How are the, uh, how are the numbers for your little sting show you did the other week? They're actually really good. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that is neither one of you were even alive whenever sting was <laughs> sting. That is actually true. Actually, no, I was born. I was born during the 92 run. You know, what's, you know, what's great about it? I, I am, I am very, very convinced. I would probably even lay money that JC didn't even know who sting was until the WWE run. No, he knew because we were we were working at uh, at the at the grocery store together back in them days. Oh, back who's this cool? Who's this new guy with the cool paint? Who is that? <laughs> Dude, that 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 was that was hotter heat than whenever you spit it. Spit the I am the uh, uh, Mascardo El Dorado of mushrooms. I am I am the uh Salvatore sincere of uh salamander sauce. Like, dude, that was woo! 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 Hey man. Woo! Man. Man. No, hey, hey, I mean, not not that I'm upset at all that you guys did a surfer sting show without the two people that grew up with Sting. <laughs> Not that we, not that we had, would have had any perspective to give you about what it was like to to be a fan of a of a, a second the secondary company and be a big Sting fan and have to tell everybody you know at school about all the WCW guys because nobody watched WCW at that point. Not not that, not that we have any perspective on all the toys that we bought growing up that nobody else had. You didn't do any of that. That's all work. 
You know what I do need to put over really quick? And this is a this is a deep cut. Andretti, you might be hip to the game. John, you're a you're you're a, a toy and merch nerd, so maybe you got it too. Um I I am convinced that there was a point in time in my, you know, pretends that I got the WCW magazine and I absolutely wanted to get some sort of like foam scorpion. Did this exist? Am I crazy? I think it did. I think it did, yeah. You were going to collect all the foam stuff there for a while. Yeah, that's that's that and not like the thing about it is like I don't really care about fingers, but the first ever thing that I got at a show was Bret Hart sunglasses and wristbands. Mm-hmm. And then I got an Undertaker urn, like cuz I wasn't allowed to buy a shirt. No, that wasn't it, John. This okay. this this is surfer sting like it's pink or it's blue it's something like that i have a i have a, it might be plush i got a sting from finger no no it might, it might have even been plush and maybe i'm just making stuff up yeah, but it, this one that's the only one <laughs> that's a heck of a phone <laughs> oh dude for the audio listeners if you can't see it is a bright yellow surfer sting uh high top fade with a scowl on his face Dude, oh that God. is something else. That is awesome. That is something else. Uh, yeah, but then I, I got a uh, I got a Undertaker foam urn and a Tatanka firm, uh, foam um, tomahawk uh, because I wasn't allowed to have enough money to buy an actual shirt, so I was only allowed like six bucks or whatever. Maybe. Yeah, dude. Maybe. That I'm t- I don't know. I, I got it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this while while you guys uh, hit on your pontification point. Um, but now that, now that I got the microphone, why not take it and run with it? Uh, first off, thanks for having me again here, Johnny. Second, I am not here. Yeah, I I am not here alone today. I am joined by good friend of the podcast and Podsky top 100 man Minoru Suzuki here in his 16 D vinyl, uh, vinyl figure form. Dude, look at that gold hair. That's great. John, I will send you a picture of this. You can put this up on the tubes for the people that that do the uh that do the streaming. Um this this was a heck of a get, gentlemen. And so he's gonna stand right over there next to my 16D Kenny Omega. Um and now that Okada's on his way out, I'm gonna have to snag me a 16D Okada. I had that before, whenever I cleared everything out, I got rid of it. But uh because that those Japanese figures are so awesome, I need a piece of that. And speaking of, um, I do need to say really quick that uh, we have discussed before the show began that we will be giving little snippets of uh, moments in time in Japan to see where we are. We are in a very, very important time, folks. If you did not already know that some of the biggest stars in New Japan of the last 10 years, uh, the greatest wrestler of possibly our lifetime, as well as uh, the best wrestler in the world right now are both coming to America. And so my New Japan world consumption has considerably increased here. Uh, we did have a new new beginning in, I believe it was Nagoya's show over the weekend. I did not see it all. I did see the eight-man tag with Okada. Um, and uh, who was Okada, Tanahashi, uh, Ishii, and uh, Makabe um, versus TMDK. We had Zack Sabre go over over on that one. Um, I believe that we are going to see 
Okada and company drop those six-man belts at our next show coming up. And it's not against TMDK, is it there, Andretti? I don't think so. I can't remember. Who I, is, is, it, is, it the, is it the War Dogs? Maybe. After yeah, they, they, they have a title match coming up. And the fact that, uh, that we saw uh, Zack Sabre go over, would have, you would have thought that it would have been TMDK, but I don't think that it is. I'd have to look at that. Anyway, um, I did see what was my favorite match of the entire week, and that was uh, Ishimori versus the Great Okan in a ring fitness match. Folks, I know that uh, it could sounds hokey, but if you are into entertainment of any sort, please watch the Great Okan doing push-ups and um, knee bends and mountain climbers and up downs and burpees and all kinds of things. And he look, dude. The thing about it is that me and Mrs. Mongoose are we're on our get back right now. You know, fighting off those uh, Thanksgiving Christmas calories. And so we've been doing circuit style stuff and brother, after 90 seconds, I literally lay on the ground, sweating profusely and huffing and puffing the way that GOK did. And so he could have just been selling, but if he wasn't like been there, bro, I get it. Um, But my God, dude, the way that he sold just being so exhausted from not being in any kind of physical shape was out of this world. Uh, And there was a title change at the very end of the show. Uh, Evil beat uh, Tamatonga. And I hate to say it, but I saw the results, and so I didn't watch the match. Yeah. I will at some point in time because it's Tamatonga's last match in New Japan, uh, but I did not need to finish that show with seeing Evil win that belt. That's well, all I got. I'll I mean, kick, it off, just kick it over to you guys. It's kind of what we were talking about before. Maybe we talked about this on here, or maybe we talked about it in the chat, but um, the issue with Evil is that um, when you put your main title on somebody um, – you got to be really careful with that because now you've got to make that person credible for the rest of their career. And they're going to have an issue with that with Sonata. And they're going to have an issue with that with evil that she's already dealing with. And uh, you know, there's, there's other people too, man, where, you know, you, you got to be careful with that. You put your main title on somebody, you got to be prepared to, to treat them like they're a, a big star for the rest of their career. Because they, I mean, look, Jinder Mahal, man, is another one. It's like, you know, you, you, you threw Jinder in there. I don't even dislike Jinder Mahal. I know, he, I know he's not fantastic. I don't even dislike the guy, but, you know, in the ring. But um, the guy was the champ. And and because you put that belt on him, now he has to matter. And you get him in there with Seth Rollins. Jinder doesn't look good. He doesn't look good in that match. You know, Rollins even couldn't get a great match out of him. And Rollins gets hurt in the match. And it's like, you you got to be smarter than that. You know, you got to be smarter than than to put major titles on people that you're not going to present well forever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So now you've got now you've got Sonata that you what are you, you going to keep Sonata in the main events for the next twenty years, man? I mean, come on. I mean, you, you had to put the belt on Evil because you got to make Evil stay credible. That's why they had to do it. Yep. So it's and it's it's a it's New Japan is in a is in a really interesting spot, like you said, man. And, and they've had to go through this before, where they've had to change faces and they've had to they've had to put build new stars really quick and pivot and pivot really quickly. And boy, they got their work cut out for them this time, man, because they're they're losing people that they've never had. They've never lost the, the quality of people that they're that they're losing right now. And it was said on the Observer stuff, and it's true. You know, Dave, Dave, his lead story last week in the Observer was that the top guy in Japan has never went to America. 
Like, and, and that doesn't mean that people didn't go on tours and that doesn't mean that, you know, these people didn't travel, but he left the company. Um, and, you know, the, the word is that he came and he did those little AEW mini tours and everything. And he talked to people and he said, you're making what to do what, how much, and who can blame him, right? Especially because you want to talk about somebody that's literally done everything they can do in a company. Um, the interesting thing here is going to be, and look, it's very selfishly because I want to see him stay in the Tokyo Dome and we don't know if we're going to get that in WWE or not. Or, But my gosh, dude, if if we get a WrestleMania with Kazuchika Okada on it, gosh. <laughs> I, oh, dude, and, and the th- oh, dude. And so this is really exciting. This this is as close to how it felt to when the Bucks and Kenny were free agents, and we thought Kenny Omega was going to show up at the Royal Rumble. Which he almost, you did. know, yeah. This is this is this is really close. So when WrestleVote says somebody's coming, we'll know first off that sure. it is you know um, Malice or somebody like that. But Cyrus, there you go. <laughs> If it, oh my gosh, if he does that to us this year, I'm gonna be so pissed off at him. I mean, yeah, that was an that was an all timer, big name coming up, and it's and the bad thing is, dude, is Double J is in such good shape now. He looks so good, he can actually work. Yeah. And um, he was a disaster in that main in that rumble. Yes. Did we uh, did we give a shout out to our our UK fans? We so did not far. give him a shout out. Yeah, let's give him a shout out. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a UK fan. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great place, and we want to make sure that we're, you know, keeping that active over there. And you know, I know that, uh, you know, it's just, it's strange when you kind of compare the, um, the different kind of outside the U.S. Uh, territories, for lack of better, lack of better terminology. Look at like, because I watch CMLL, you know, almost every week. Uh, I watch a lot of Japanese stuff, you know, uh, whatnot. But uh, man, I'll tell you what—you just you see, you see a lot of good-looking women in that crowd, man, in CMLL, and they they put them on the camera every time. You sure as hell don't see that on a Rev Pro show. I'll tell you that much. You know, when you got a whole you got a whole bunch of people in the UK that you know look like they dumped a bag of mashed potatoes over their head, you're probably not going to want to put them on TV as much as you were the. Sweet looking Latina chicks, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, and they're serving gravel sandwiches in a concession stand. <laughs> Brushing their teeth with mustard. I will give I will give a shout out because somebody brought up a, a, a friend of mine that passed away um tragically about 10 years ago. That when we were in high school, um Mike got me into a band called Pitch Shifter that I still listen to. I only have one of their albums, but every time I think about Mike from high school, I listen to Pitch Shifter and they're a UK band, and I, you know, gotta give him, gotta give him a little bit of props for that. Thank you, UK, for Pitch Shifter. <laughs> All right, well, we've made it here. It's uh, we're gonna kick off a new weekly segment here on the pod. See, this is something that we want to do. It's gonna call. It's gonna be called Fan of the Week. Fan of the week and i'm pretty sure that we can all agree we're we're fans we're all marks but there's just some people that you run into at a show or that you see on tv that they stand out amongst the rest and you have to talk about them 
we want to highlight them on here. We want you, the listeners, to get excited about it because we want you to tell us fans of the week as well. So you can give us your fan of the week on uh, Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Podsky, or you can hit us up on Facebook too at the Podsky with John Baker. You can leave it in the YouTube comments as well. But we, you can, you can bury these people. You can baby face these people, give them the rub. It's, it's all whatever you want to do, but we have, we're going to kick this one off with a good one. And we've talked about this person a lot. Oh, hang on. Let's, 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 let's give a little bit of story about why we're doing this, right? Because we want to, we want to start this off with, you want to put a legend into the hall of fame, right? Then to the fan of the week hall of fame. You want to start out with a legend, right? And we talk about like uh CMLL, right? They got, you know, Black Tarus. Well, I mean, he was in uh, AAA too, but, you know, Black Tarus is, is a base. They talk about him being a really good base, right? Ringo Loco, really good base. Um, I think we want to start this thing out with a base god right away and get somebody into the get into the uh, fan of the week hall of fame that deserves it. And we want to put an icon in, man. Put an icon in right away so that we give credibility to the whole thing. And I really think this guy is the, uh, he's the one, man. He's the guy we've been talking about for almost a year. Got to put him in, man. Fan of the, fan of the, fan of the millennia, this guy. This, this particular fan, we ran into so much at WrestleMania weekend, Andretti and I, when we were at WrestleMania in LA. So without further ado, the induction, the first induction into the fan of the week hall of fame and our very first fan of the week is none other than Ponytail Patterson. And if you're on YouTube, we'll we'll put him we'll put him up there. This guy, I'm gonna I'm just gonna let Andretti, the toast of the coast, take this away because this guy interacted with him immediately upon our very first show that we had at WrestleMania week. This was on this was on Wednesday or Tuesday. Yeah. This was Wednesday, Wednesday or Tuesday. This was Wednesday night at four. This is the very first show that we were doing at WrestleMania week. It's a pandemonium wrestling, and we were not even in the building for five minutes. And this guy approached us right away. He he came in hot, brother. That guy. So we're it's me and you and George, <laughs> my buddy George that I coached with was with <laughs> us, and we're we're just we're just a couple of cool guys hanging out, man, in the club, right? And we're hanging, we're leaning against the railing, and we're just kind of hanging out, surveying the, the scene. And George is wearing a cornet shirt. And here comes this motherfucker with a ponytail and just starts talking shit right to us. Like, there were three, and giving, three, three men who were in much better shape than him. Three men in much better shape. that All of us could have slaughtered this guy. <laughs> the dude walks right up to George, right to all three of us, and just starts running his mouth about cornet. Yeah. And we're like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? We were so caught off guard by it. <laughs> then he just was he was like pointing at us all night uh, this dude, that's like it's that, that, that's like it's like a cat that rubs or rubs themselves all over your legs you know what i'm saying they do that to show you i've been here just in case another kitten wants to walk around and so the fact that you guys got got and told and finger wagged upon entry <laughs> meant that homeboy wanted y'all to know that he was around these trees. Okay. You're lucky you didn't get sprayed. You're lucky you didn't get peed on. That's what I have to say about that. I wasn't even there, but that, that's just my, my cheap seats point of view. This guy like immediately came up and gave George the middle finger and said, fuck that guy. <laughs> we were, we literally just got to the show. 
And this, that is what that guy did immediately. Don't we were in the show for 30 seconds. We, we what? Had, he was at what the, an intro. We saw that guy for the entire week. He was at every yeah, everywhere. Everywhere we went, we ran into Ponytail Patterson. He sat front row for GCW every single show. Yeah, oh dude. my gosh! If you guys, if you guys would have went and left the hotel room, and then <laughs> went and saw him in a, in the lobby sipping coffee, just like putting then putting the newspaper back up over his face, dude. The, oh, Nelly. The Thursday, this guy, this guy was he was on his phone for every show. Yeah, he didn't talk to hardly anybody. He was not dressed well. <laughs> at one point, at one point, he he looked like. Ponytail Patterson's head on the Brooklyn Brawler's body is the best way I can describe dude, what he's dude, wearing. He's probably sitting there tweeting to Jim Cornette the whole night. Dude, so for context of this guy, we went to the Santino Bro show, and that was at 11 a.m. or 9, yeah, 9 a.m. I think, yeah. We came back for the midnight show, which was for the culture, and he was still in the same seat yeah. at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Call that all commitment, day. fellas. All day, at the, all day at the Ukrainian Center, dude, camped out. Just camped we call out. Call that commitment. That is commitment. That is commitment. Holy cow. But that is the Well, hold on. We saw him at the um we saw him at the uh the Hitchcock. Oh, the Hitchcock. Because he was up in the up in the in the crow's nest with that woman that kept changing shirts. Remember that t-shirt lady. We got a big t-shirt lady. She's gotta be uh, another fan of the week. We don't have we we don't we don't have any visual of her, but T-shirt lady had a T-shirt for every single superstar that came out. She was wearing a Kenta shirt at one point, switched into a Switchblade shirt, then did another switch to a Tanahashi shirt, I believe. Something. She did, she did four shirt changes in one show. Yeah, made in Japan. I love it. It was it was like when Foley came out three times for the Rumble. It, it, that it, is it, incredible, it, dude. That yeah, that is incredible. We're gonna see some people at WrestleMania this year that were This is this is why I keep telling you guys like you gotta go to these local shows, man. Like you gotta try to go to these 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 either GCW or if we can find something even even more local than that to hit up on Friday night, dude. We gotta do it because this is this is where you see insanity in the crowd. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh my. Yes, it is fantastic. Uh, but that is fan of the week. So I hope you all enjoyed that. We're going to keep that as a regular weekly segment here on the Podski. So send in your fan of the week uh, and maybe it'll make it here on the Podski. So as the, sh- so for the main event today, we're doing the forgotten Royal rumble. It's Royal rumble 2004. And we'll get into why it is the Forgotten Rumble. We've been saying it. I've been saying it here. It's the Forgotten Royal Rumble, but no one really knows. If you're listening, you don't know why. If you don't have any context of why this is the Forgotten Royal Rumble. So before we get into uh, any further of that, we'll, we're going to throw it to uh, Mongoose, and he's going to give us the uh, the big deets here on uh, this show. So we watched the 2004 Royal Rumble took place January 25th, 2004 at the Wachovia Center in Philadelphia, apropos because we will be main eventing uh, that scene in a couple of weeks here for Royal Rumble, or excuse me, for WrestleMania 40. Uh, This was in front of a sellout crowd of 17,289 fans that paid $1.1 million, which 
we got to stop for a second because we are talking about a $1.1 million gate for a Royal Rumble in $2,004. And how big of a deal did they make of it when AEW cleared a million dollar gate three years ago? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that was in 2021 dollars or whatever. So big time business here. The show itself uh, by Observer Readers. Uh, 34.3% thumbs up, 25% thumbs down, 40.6% thumbs in the middle. Match of the night, overwhelmingly, was the Royal Rumble match, which had 408 votes. Shawn Michaels and Triple H in the last man standing had 55. Worst match of the night, Ric Flair and Dave Batista versus the Dudley Boys, 358 votes. Brock Lesnar and Hardcore Holly, 74 votes. And Shawn Michaels and Triple H at 20 votes. Mm. So we got a really interesting card here. And typically with any of these Royal Rumbles, majority of the undercard is short matches because obviously the main event is the Royal Rumble. And that's usually a match that takes about an hour of the show anyways. So this show, the show kicks off with the Dudleys versus Evolution, which is, in, in this form of evolution is Ric Flair and Batista. This is a tables match for the Raw Tag Team Titles. I need to say really quick, just to be upfront and 100 with our audience here. So we typically record Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, I got got word we were going to go on Monday yesterday, which is fine with me, man. I'm here. I'm here to party. You know, mongoose. Me and the mongoose flock. We're here to get down, right? Um, but. Having a uh, a six-year-old and not trusting any 2004 WWE show to be on television while she's around, uh, I didn't want to watch with her. And, um, you know, shoot job gets in the way. And then we had some uh, athletic uh, stuff that we had to go to this evening. And so I watched an hour and 40 minutes of this show. And that meant that I did not watch the Rumble match. And I watched the wrong hour and 40 minutes of this show, dude. Yes. <laughs> like, like, like I absolutely watched the wrong hour and 40 minutes of this show. So I can't wait to bury the shit out of this undercard. Um, before we get into it, the one thing that I do need to say, and this may be more appropriate at the end of the show, but I, I wanted to bring it up front because – I did give the observer numbers, and so I did a little bit of reading into the issue that week. For everybody that says, and when I say everybody, I mean like your Bruce's and Bischoff's and whatnot that talk about how uh, Dave Meltzer makes stuff up. You know, in the first paragraph of that show or that uh, observer, he says the WrestleMania matches seem to be Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H, and Chris Benoit in a three-way the Rock and Mankind versus Randy Orton and probably Dave Batista. The Undertaker returning as his old gimmick versus Kane. Like he, dude, he ran down uh, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. He actually said for the SmackDown title at that time, which I, I actually want to go back and read in between now. You read the music between the notes now that we're going to do that next show. Yeah. Because I want to see how that changed. But, dude, this guy nailed match, 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 match. And it was it included The Rock coming back, teaming with Mick Foley. It had Sean and them in the three-way. Like, get out of here, man, that this guy just makes stuff up. Like, that's, that's so irritating, dude, because he nailed the Rumble card on February 8th or whenever that came out. And, I, like, I read, and I was, like, I was taken back by that. 
So yeah. I just I had to put that out there really quick. All right, uh, before you you go into the first match here, John, uh, you and Andretti, can I say this out loud? Maybe you guys agree, maybe you don't. The Dudley boys are, first off, I feel like they have been the opening match in every WWE pay-per-view between 2001 and 2005. Like, it's just all, get up, get up, get up, drop the bombshell. You know, so the crowd goes all crazy. Uh, and the the Dudley boys suck. Yeah, Dude, I don't. I'm not a fan of them at all. I don't know why. Dude, they, not... Like this, I I thought that I was watching this match and just just being a hater against the Dudley boys, and then it's over, and I'm like, wow. Like I I really wish that I just fast forwarded the first ten minutes of this, and then I, it got negative one star in the Observer. Now I would not give it a negative one star. Don't Wouldn't be, have gone that far. No, no, I I would have been a star, star and a half. But my God, man, you want to talk about people that, and look, they were over. I, that's the thing. Yep. They were, it's not like they weren't over, man. Those people were going nuts. But holy cow, you want to talk about something that just, I, I like you see it with 2024 eyes, man, and you just didn't age well. Go ahead, yeah, John. They're, they're going to be one of those teams that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out with them because, like you said, they haven't aged well. And when you go back and watch their matches, you're going to be underwhelmed by it. I'm telling you, man, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to be a heel even with this, man. You go back and watch a lot of the, the ECW stuff in general in today's today and go back and watch it, you know, just for what it is, you're probably not going to think it's as good as what it was when you were 18 years old. Yeah, agreed. I didn't even really watch ECW. It was, it was a little bit before my age bracket, but I've tried to go back and watch it, and I'm like, I don't get the – I mean, yes, I can I can watch it. I can enjoy it, but it's not like I got to watch ECW. But the problem is, John, is you're not 14. Right. right. It, like, and, and, and not only not 14, you're not 14 without the internet. Yeah. Like, at that time, when you were 14 – and you, the internet was only used for instant messenger because if you tried to click a real player video clip from mtv.com to see a 30 second clip of something, you were waiting for nine and a half hours for that thing to load. Okay. So there, there was no streaming. There was none of that. And so the fact that you had young men, which is what this all was, obviously, was the whole uh, attitude era was built off of, you know, 12 to 28 year old men um, that were able to see dudes that could say the F word and would bleed and hit each other with stuff. We never saw that stuff before, man. And now, you know, like with the internet, especially and how ubiquitous everything is from, you know, and I don't mean to be this tropish and daddy, but like from sex, violence, profanity, blah, blah, blah. Like it's so mainstream that USC or UFC uh, that ECW just seems tacky. Yeah. Like, like it does. And because the work isn't good, you know, who sucks balls, Mahoney, <laughs> not any good. Balls <laughs> spray in a Royal Rumble show. <laughs> Honestly, like, man, like the, the Dudleys aren't, they're not it, man. And I hate to say, it, I know people like him. I know, like you said, they're over that day ain't it. And what yeah. sucks is that they let off all of these early 2000 shows. Every time you start a pay-per-view, you, Oh, and it's yeah, like, another thing about them. Nobody, nobody puts me to sleep on social media quicker than than Bully Ray, dude. Oh, I can't stand that guy. He's worse now than ever. Worse my than favorite ever. thing, my favorite thing about Bully Ray still 
is him insisting that he's going to be the guy that puts Flip Gordon over. And all he did was try to get himself over and made Flip Gordon less over after a year-long program. And now Flip Gordon isn't even with a major promotion. Flip, Flip Gordon, where, where is Flip, Flip Gordon? Gordon? Probably Flip Gordon probably fell so far from the Bully Ray program that he reenlisted back into the military. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Just give me this, give me this pension, bro. Just give me, give me this pension. Give me the pension." <laughs> oh my god! Back on active duty, man. I don't even want to be a part of this. You know this. God, he had. You know, the last time I saw Flip Gordon was whenever he did the. Uh, he did the uh, the paper the the NWA pay per view whenever we were watching Power every week there whenever Cornette was calling calling the commentary. Jeez, that's been a long time. Good. This whenever me and Billy were geeking out over Power because we loved Ricky Starks and we loved Eli Drake. Now look at him. Yeah, say who are those two nerds. Yeah. But this this opener is like three minutes of just bleh. Yeah. Like it, it and then Coach. Coach stealing, Coach basically stole this match from all four of these guys in the ring. And I don't think there's a better moment than him at the end after Evolution wins. And then he's like, yeah. All winded, yeah. (laughs) Like, what the hell was that? Imagine imagine having Ric Flair, Dave Batista, and the Dudleys in the ring and Jonathan Coachman is the one you're trying to get over here. You got to send the coach down there to save it. Oh my gosh, man. Send the coach yeah, down what, there, damn it. <laughs> what a disaster, dude. And I, like, there's, there's worse matches, but I'm telling you this, and, and this is the God honest truth. We watched that show from uh, one of the Money in the Banks here recently. And I saw like Kelly and Kelly, Kelly Kelly versus whatever, one of the other blonde pinups that they had that fake wrestled. And it was a better match than this one was. And this had Batista and Ric Flair in it. Yeah, it was bad. It was not good. Hell of a start here in the Royal Rumble. Kelly, it was Kelly Kelly and, and Brie, um, uh, Brie Bella. They, yes, that is and who it was. And that match is absolutely better than this one. Yes, it was. It truly was. Because Mrs. Mongoose, when they came out, stopped. And instead of going upstairs and doing whatever she was going to do, said, actually, I want to see this. Like, to watch the train wreck. And she was like, oh, that wasn't bad. Yeah, Kelly Kelly did a bad bump of that match. I forgot, I and, forgot about that. And, and dude, and she, and, and she, she wouldn't have thought this was any good. I can tell you that much. <laughs> She'd have seen Dave Batista's sun tattoo on his belly button and random Chinese red characters on his arms and said, why is this guy wrestling with this old man versus these fat guys in football jerseys? So in other words, go back and listen to our Money in the Bank uh, retrospective and skip this match because it was the drizzling shits. God. But that leads us to, there is a scene of backstage segment where he does a rap, and it's with J, uh, Josh Matthews, and I know that uh, Mongoose had something to say about Josh Matthews' fit. Yeah, no one looks more 2004 than Josh Matthews. <laughs> Dude, he has on a button-down shirt that has cuffs that start right below his elbow, and extend the entire way to his fingertips. They're the longest cuffs. If he rolled a cuff up of the shirt, he'd be wearing a tank top, dude. So he has he has this going out shirt on. He has frosted tips. He has a 
pinky ring. Like he, you want to talk about somebody that they saw somewhere and said, bro, you are so 2024. We need you to work with us. Like he is the male version of like a, a sable or something in 1998. Do you know what I mean? Like they picked him to be like, oh, you're an it boy. And he, and he just, and the thing is, is there's a, there's a capsule in time where if you want to see what 2024 looks like, or excuse me, 2004 looks like, watch this and look at Josh Matthews. Yeah. Then he be gets, happy that it's 20 years later. Drowned in champagne. And I don't think we saw him the rest of the night. Did we? No. And Ric Flair blinded himself with champagne. That was a bad, that was a bad Flair promo too, man. That was bad. Yeah. But speaking of blind, it leads us into this next match with Jamie Noble and Blind Nidia versus Ray Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title. And I've never been more happy to see this because, for okay, so for context, Blind Nidia, Jamie Noble and Blind Nidia, they are in just Nidia in general. They were like a trailer part, like character love whatever you want to call it, whatever they like were. Redneck hillbillies. With like trailer park redneck. They were they were they were just trailer park rednecks that would just you know super grossly tongue kiss all over the time uh, all the time. They were and like, uh they were the welfare yeah. version of Edge and Lita before Edge and Lita. And so back in October, so this is obviously in late January of 2004, but the whole way back in October there, Tajiri and Jamie Noble were having a cruiserweight title match, and Tajiri had the black mist, which we all can recognize as that's way more devastating than the green mist, and he spits it in Nidia's eyes, and it renders her blind. So in that time frame as well, Jamie Noble and Nidia came into money, so that is also the reason why she's wearing this black fur coat, and she's blinded on her way to the ring, and when I saw this, I cackled laughing because all of that flew back into my memory and I got so happy at this. This is, I don't want to say that we're like we're, it's because it's obviously a spoof on people that are blind, but it, and that's not funny or anything, not to make a joke of that. But the way that they played the character and knowing the context of it and the way that Jamie Noble was using her in a matches to just stick her in places where she acted like she had no idea where she was and then it would somehow get Jamie Noble to win was just great. And I I was with Mrs. Mongoose on this one and they come out and she says, what the bleep is this? And I said, well, I don't know, honey, because you just said all that, John, and that made it come back to me. I didn't know what I was watching besides Nydia has a fur coat on and is blind. And I said, well, here's the deal, honey. Uh, the blind girl who is the trailer park lover of the guy in the jean shorts is going to cost Rey Mysterio the match. And then she immediately said, isn't that guy still wrestling? What's he doing? <laughs> Which is Rey Mysterio. Um, and so my immediate guess was, oh, she's blind and she's still going to be able to see enough to trip up Rey Mysterio. And then at the finish, when she grabs JB Noble's foot, I exploded. <laughs> I exploded, man, because I wasn't ready for that. And then he's just yelling at her and berating her. And Mrs. Mongoose, you know, she believes in all the things that are true, virtuous, and right. You know, like, don't talk that way, which I do too, man. But also, this is 2004, just literally trash wrestling. Um, and so I was, 
I was all in on this thing, dude. It's a shame because these two could have had a hell of a match. And they they did work really well for the two and a half minutes that they got. Um, but I, I had I actually had way more fun in this one than I did in that first match. That's for sure. I, I've always been a big Jamie Noble fan. And that guy can work his ass off, man. I loved him in WCW, loved him in, in WWF. Um, he's still working there today, man. So hats off to him for making a career backstage and being able to be a producer and do his thing. But when she came out Security. with that, with that freaking pole and, and the sunglasses, I almost fell off the couch, dude. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit, what the hell are we doing with this? And then when she grabbed his foot, I exploded laughing. And I, t- I mean, I, the, the, the cell job that Noble did on the six one nine is also really great. That, that was, that was really, really cool to see that. Yeah, like because John obviously this all triggered John's memory bank. Did you think the same thing I did though? That oh, she's going to obviously she's going to trip Ray Mysterio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, interesting about Noble is I I know he's from West Virginia, and I I looked up on the map to see where he was from. He's from Hanover, which is pretty much like the farthest place you can get in West Virginia from anywhere else. I mean, dude, we're talking like an hour and a half from a city. In, in Hanover, man, it's down on the border, pretty close to Kentucky. I mean, that place. I mean, hats off to that guy. Man, there. John, I don't, I don't know geography. Never mind. Hats off to that I, guy. I, 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 I could help you. I could help you do point slope formula though. Find find a slope of line. <laughs> but needless to say that this man Martinsburg. Martinsburg was what I was thinking about. Never mind. Think about Martinsburg. Shout out Martinsburg. This one. This is the match I should have let off the show. They should have just yeah. got rid of that tag match. or should have just started the show with this. And I probably would have exploded if right after the pyro, they go to blind idiot strolling down the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> the next we got Eddie versus Chavo. And this is a match that had some heavy storytelling in it, mainly because Eddie and Chavo, they were the tag team champions. They were Los Guerreros. They were, you know, basically owning the SmackDown tag division and Eddie was U S champion. And in a matter of weeks leading up to the Royal rumble, he not only lost the U S title, but then they lost the tag he lost the U S title. Then he lost the tag titles to the Basham brothers, which the Basham brothers we're going to talk about when we get to uh, WrestleMania and maybe I think on, on no way out show too, but John, are, are you familiar with the, the um, super Nintendo game, super punch out, are you familiar at all? No. I didn't under- realize then, and it just hit me, that the Bashams are Nick and Rick Bruiser. Yeah. that It's like, John, I will send you pictures that you can put onto the tube here so the audience can see the pre-S, the, 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 super, the pre-you know, non-Super Nintendo audience can see here. They are Nick and Rick Bruiser, dude. I was blown away. I forgot the Bashams existed first off. Right. And then when I saw them, I was like, wow, there's Nick and Rick Bruiser. Go ahead. You know what I remember about the Bruisers? <laughs> that noise. Dude, and who's the chick that's with them? Because I remembered seeing her. I'm pretty sure Shaniqua. That's me. I'm pretty sure. What are you talking about? Booker T's... Charmel. Char- okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah I don't I don't I think you're right. I think it is her name. I completely forgot about her. When I saw her, I remembered her. Like, dude, I mean tall, Jack, like super look. Yeah. But I was her. like, who is this person? And then you know, they, they didn't like 
bring her up again. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, was. I don't know. Like, yeah, she was. Uh, she was on Tough Enough with Jackie Gata. Okay. Who also? Oh, makes, also okay. In this Rumble match. Or, okay. Uh, you know, Pay per view. Yeah, so they lost the tag titles to them, and then that kind of led into like Chavo turning on Eddie, and basically they led into this match, and then Chavo Chavo Seniors out there like. I don't know. It's this was this was a weird match. It was quick, uh, but it was built in with like Eddie doesn't want to you know take out his nephew and he's like torn about it. And then whenever he does decide to do it, he fully pulls a trigger and goes almost too far for a baby face like Eddie Guerrero at this time because we know that he's going to get you know this title opportunity at No Way Out of Four, which will again we're going to talk about that show in a few more weeks. But weird, weird this. It was a it was a good match for as quick as it was, but it was just like, why did they do that angle afterwards? Felt too much, I, I, dude. Honestly, I skipped almost all of this match because, look, hats off to Chavo Guerrero, man, for making a career after wrestling in Hollywood and training people and doing everything he did for Iron Claw and all that stuff and Glow and everything or you know whatever it is. Um, but um, that guy puts me to sleep, man. Chavo just puts me to sleep, and, and, I, and even when he's even when he's in there with Eddie, I I just I can't even focus. So here's the problem with me is that I watched the entire package to this, yeah, and got really excited, right? Like I like I was like, dude, this is awesome. Eddie and Chavo on a pay per view. Like I'm I'm thinking twelve minutes, thirteen minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? And that I'm thinking this is at least three and a half, a four star match, no, no doubt about it. And like you said, John, it was the story didn't want Eddie to go all out. And then by the time they started to get going, they cut it off. It was over because they needed time for the post match angle, which I didn't think fit. I mean, I understood it. I did, and only seeing the the video thing in front of it. But the problem was that, and then whenever we were watching, whenever I was watching the video stuff, I that was something that did come back to me was the bubbling thing with Chavo and Eddie. And it's just like, man, that was their pay-per-view blow-off, and that sucks. Yeah. You know, like that, that really, that was a big letdown, man. And And for the whole thing to be more about the post-match angle, which actually didn't get Eddie more over as a baby face, I thought was very WCW that that felt like something we would have seen more on road wild 97 or 98 than something that we should have seen in a Royal rumble leading to a mania match. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I really, that was way more about the post-match angle that I didn't think was very good anyway. And I didn't like it. Like uh, Dave gave this one in the observer two and a half stars and I would have said three, and the reason I would have said three is that I thought the in-ring work was good, but I'm assuming that the doc came because of the reasons that we just laid out, and I'm not mad at him for it. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's a really fair rating. Yeah, I just, I didn't understand it. Like, I was like, because you, I'm glad that you said about the video package. The video package, like, really pulled me in, and I was like, this is going to be good. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what kind of sucks too. Is that the, the you're absolutely right. The video package was way better than the actual match itself. And then we get into the WWE title match. 
And this is with Brock Lesnar and Hardcore Holly, which this is the most obscure title match that I think that we've ever talked about here on the show. Look, man, for 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 him being out for 18 months and coming back after an injury, I don't remember any of this. Yeah, and this is such a short time, and this is whenever Brock had given Hardcore Holly a power slam, and it just he messed it up, and that's what broke Hardcore Holly's neck. Well, so here's what made made me what irritated me about this one is that it was because Bob Holly sandbagged him. Yeah. Because Bob Hawley has to prove something to young people for some reason. <laughs> and nobody deserves to have their neck broke, man. They don't. And, and that's, I'm I'm not saying, but I am saying, like, be a professional, please. Like, like for the rest of time, be a professional so that things like this don't happen. Yeah. That was what, like, I was, in seeing that, I, it actually did come back to me. And it was like, oh, dude, you, he's sandbagging Brock. What is not going up for this move? And he got dropped on your head. You did. No one deserves to get dropped on their head, man. And I don't care who you are, where you are, what you're doing. But be a professional, please. Because this is the same guy that smacked the shit out of, you know, literal trainees on MTV. And I know that producers probably told him to do it and stuff. But I, I I don't like this area of this era of WWE a lot for that reason. This is the JBL breaking Blue Meanie's face. This is the Bill DeMott stuff. Like I, that's to me, this is really gross and grimy. Like just from that old guard, let, let's show you how to do it. Whenever we're at a point in time where there's so much money that could be made with these great athletes that what are we doing, man? Like I, I think that this is as 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 unbecoming as the stuff that they did with like the bra and panties matches, just in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's just it, it's gross to watch to me. Seeing seeing that, seeing that unprofessionalism. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong about any of that. No, I agree. And this I, I this match again, this match doesn't make any sense at all because you'd think that this is Brock Lesnar and this is Hardcore Holly and they're going to go out and beat the piss out of each other and they just proceed to grab rest holds for eight minutes well and- the problem is john is that it's hardcore holly well that's and no offense to hardcore holly but like you ain't it bro like you're hardcore holly you're not a main event guy yeah. and he's in the main event because he got his neck broke yeah and that that sucks too <laughs> like all like all this isn't any good and the the video for this actually was decent but yeah this match the video, the video made me feel like Hardcore Holly had a chance to go out there and 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 get a a win over a guy that that injured him. I really thought that the video package was really good. Yep, yeah. and all he all he all he ended up really getting was a full Nelson. Yep, you get a you get a great you get a great trailer and a shitty movie, man. This is what ends up happening with a lot of this a lot of these matches twice in a row. Yeah, and in this match, apparently this match was cut in half. This was supposed to go double the time, but they cut it in half because they wanted to give more time for the last man standing match. Well, thank God they cut it in half. I didn't want to watch any more of that. Exactly. So Brock, you, Lesnar, you imagine you had them in 16 minutes, dude. I yeah, know. Who the hell is watching 16 minutes of hardcore all laying on the freaking mat. <laughs> so in true fact, like in, in to no surprise, Brock Lesnar retains here. And I don't think we ever see hardcore Holly ever again after this. I can't, I don't even remember hardcore Holly after this at all. We all, we, the sun, the, dude, the sun keep rising and setting, you know, tides <laughs> came and went, 
Like, <laughs> life went on. We were okay. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but in the main event of the undercard, basically, is this Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Last Man Standing match. And this is coming off the heels of their Armageddon, the three stages of hell match. So what, how do you, how do you best a three stages of hell than a last man standing match? And this was a great feud that carried over years. And I don't believe it gets paid off until later in the year at bad blood. Oh, four, I believe is where that kind of ends for a while in the hell in a cell match. But this, this damn feud continued to WrestleMania it continued into the summer to bad blood. Like they've been doing this for two years now. Sean had been, Sean came back at SummerSlam 2002, won the, won the elimination chamber um, shortly after at survivor series. Oh, two, like, I don't know why they decided. I mean, I understand why they were squeezing so much juice out of it because it's Sean and it's Hunter and, Hunter was at the top of his kind of the reign of terror and Sean was on his way back as a redemption story and all that. But I don't know. This match was really, this match was really good. I thought. Yeah. Except the damn ending. They shit. It was, the- it was a, a lot bloodier than I, than I thought it was. In, oh, in my, like I pigs. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, this, this is. And uh, John, we this we are we are opposite ends of the paradigm here. Okay, but this is on display. Shawn Michaels carrying a dude to a match that was way better than the dude that he was wrestling was given, and it's just because this is Triple H just post groin stuff. Yeah, he's still a little puffy. Do you know he's in better shape, but he's still a little puffy. He's moving slower than he normally does. And, dude, his offense and everything is good, and he did a great job of being the rotten, brooding, just big strikes heel. But, dude, Sean just acting like he gets shot in the face when he gets punched. And when those chair shots come in, like, you just think, oh, my God. Like, Sean sold here. Sean's overselling here was the exact opposite of his overselling versus Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like the Hulk Hogan overselling was to literally put over the cartoon character. Right. But this was like peak Sean oversell of, oh my gosh. Like, I I think, I think Michaels absolutely made this match. And and I do have a soft spot for Sean. Obviously he's like my favorite ever, but just watching this, I over and over kept thinking to myself, like, dude, Michaels is the best. He's so good at this, you know? really is but you know and and i'll tell you this you know when you said about when nydia came out with that fur coat and all the storyline came back to you i had no idea what was going to happen i thought triple h was going to retain triple h hit him with that pedigree and i thought to myself my mother of god sean's kicking out he's going to switch in music and then this match is over yeah and that's exactly what happened like i i saw this 20 years ago i didn't remember that but like it's just like you know memory uh whatever memory hold me there that oh yeah this finish sucked those fans weren't happy yeah the fans booed him out of the building uh they really booed earlier in the match whenever they teased the spot where uh sean was gonna throw triple h onto the uh on the spanish announce table and then they didn't give it to him like triple h just fell off the fell off the side of the table sean's 
uh, Sweet Chin Music at the end whenever they did the double count out. That was so good. And even right before that, during the comeback, whenever he nipped up, oh, oh, that was so good. He, Sean was on his shit that night. I, and look, man, it, it was what it was. Every, and I understand the, the storytelling of how we get there and everything. But I, I don't understand, again, watching the video package, right? One second, one second, one second. And this is, this is Hunter's best friend. Like, if you would have had Sean hit that sweet chin music, but then fall on top of him. Yes. Right? right? Fall on top of him. So then they both get counted out, but Sean had him pinned. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that little bit, why am I able to think of that? You know, like, I, like, because that, that to me, like once that happened, I was like, dude, if Sean late, if Sean hit it and then fell down on top of him, they could have counted them both out, but he could have said, Hunter, I had you pinned. Yep. I deserve to be in this match. Right. Like you were beat. Yep. I don't know. And that, that, that was, that was my, my complaint. No, obviously that finish was dead, but I think that, that would have made that finish matter more. The fans would have been screaming like, it, I don't know. Yep. Obviously they carry this feud to WrestleMania 20. And then the winner of the Royal Rumble that we'll be talking about here in a second, uh, joins them in the tri- first ever triple threat match to main event WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, so we get Bischoff and Heyman. They get into a tussle in the ring to start this. And this is all just to kind of set up, uh, you know, Sheriff Stone Cold to come out and put law and order back into place. And basically just to get Austin on camera. So he comes out and stuns both of them, has a beer bash. Uh, Sheriff Stone Cold's a great character, man. He's a, that. This is a great character. He's popped me over and over again when we've seen these retro shows. Yep. And then that leads to the big backstage interview where Goldberg is being interviewed as the 30th entrant. He won the 30th entrant as uh, he won the Raw Battle Royal. And it gets interrupted by Brock Lesnar. And then obviously this sets up their big uh, WrestleMania angle. And that carries into the Royal Rumble match. So we're here at the main event. We're here at the Royal Rumble match. It's 15 from SmackDown, it's 15 from Raw, so the brand uh, the brand in fighting is still very alive here. Uh, one thing that I thought that was really interesting here is that they did 90-second intervals, not the two minutes that they typically do, which I thought made this Rumble move fast, and, it, and I, I liked it a lot. Uh, Chris Benoit, he was the number one entrant, and he became the number one entrant from, he was getting screwed uh, the video package laid it out very well. I thought this video package was awesome. It told yeah. you how <laughs> as fast as it's John, this is what I saw. Like I, I literally I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Swim practice. And then once I'm in the swim practice, I'm like, oh, this is over. This is an hour-long match, man. I'm done. But this this video package is great. <laughs> the video package walks you through how we got the number one entrant, then it flips to the other end and shows you how we got the number 30 entrant in Goldberg. And then it gives you all of the interesting characters that are going to be in it. The lower end characters brings you right back in with some other good storyline stuff. It was really well done. Um, and one thing that needs to be noted is that this this story, this rumble was packed with storylines that all led to meaningful things, especially at WrestleMania. So notable superstars, obviously, in this Royal Rumble are Kane, 
uh, Kurt Angle, John Cena. Well, it's a big show. We got Chris Jericho. I cut you off really quick, John. Sir. Um, I do need to say because because you because you dropped that. Yeah. Uh here's what's crazy is that um I was reading in the observer sort of like further down the uh further down the menu where they were talking about or the menu, further down the issue where they were talking about the potential return of Hulk Hogan for WrestleMania 20. Uh-huh. And it was noted that Hulk put over Brock huge, but they were pissed because Hulk put over Brock in a way that left him sympathetic that the crowd wanted him to come back, which is literally exactly what he did for the ultimate warrior, which is hilarious that it was, you know, 15 years later and it was the same exact deal. Um, but he was supposed to come back and then face Brock at Survivor Series and lose that match because everybody thought Brock was should be champion for a long time before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And Hulk wouldn't come back for that match because he wouldn't job to Brock again. And then Brock ended up jobbing to the flipping big show. Yep. That is, I feel like that is that when me and Andretti saw that show live at the Pony Lounge, thinking, how is the Big Show the champion right now? And the answer is to give Hulk Hogan double birds from Venice Beach or wherever he was staying at the time. It literally was to just say, screw you, bro. We're giving it to the out-of-shape guy. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and your Subway subs or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, go ahead. Uh, we also got uh, Booker T. We got Randy Orton, uh, Goldberg, and we have uh, we have Bradshaw. And this is right before Bradshaw changes his character to JBL. Uh, and we also got uh, Ernest the Cat Miller. So I know that this popped Andretti to the moon. So what were your thoughts when you saw Ernest the Cat Miller? Well, I, I didn't expect it, number one. And like I was telling you before, uh, before we started the recording, um, I, I always knew that Ernest the Cat Miller shows up in WWE at some point. And he's on a couple shows. I never know what they are. So when I do see him, it freaking pops me to Jupiter every time, dude. And he came out doing the same shit he did in WCW. Didn't even get booze from the crowd like you would in WCW. Nobody knew who the hell this guy was. Nobody cared. He's out there with some weirdo in a, in a wig. And he's dancing like a, like a maniac. No one cared. Nobody booed. Nobody cheered. And he was dancing for like 26 minutes. And then that was the end of it. They threw out they threw out the handler, got thrown out of the ring, and then the cat got thrown out of the ring. And I was like, well, the cat should have won. But if he's not going to win, I guess it, I guess it would have been funny, you know, if, if he's not going to win. But, uh, you know, he ended up getting thrown out, and that was that. But, man, I, I, I have always loved the cat. I, I will always love the cat. I think he's super entertaining. He's super funny. Everything he does is hilarious. The guy, super quick-witted. The dancing is outrageous. Everything about that guy makes me so happy. What popped me to the moon was that he was using the Funkadactyls music that Tyrus ended up using with the Funkadactyls, and then Taz was singing it on commentary, which made it even better. So uh, good. It so was good. Uh, some other so, so the notable moments from this Royal Rumble. Uh, this is the first Rumble since the very first Rumble that there was no entrance that our previous winners. So there was no matter what, there was going to be a first time winner of this Royal Rumble. Uh, they kicked it off with. 
looking at McFoley's empty seat, uh, Sheriff Stone Cold wanted, uh, kind of kept inviting McFoley to come back to the show or show up at Royal Rumble because Evolution kept beating the tar out of him, and that was where Brandy Orton was really establishing the Legend Killer gimmick. And we'll, we'll see McFoley later on, but they kept teasing that there's McFoley's empty chair that Stone Cold left for him. Uh, but the one thing that popped me right off the bat was whenever JR called the hurricane the weather alert and like just deadpanned, oh, the weather alert. And he <laughs> instantly got thrown out right after that. Uh, the the other big thing that happens in this match too is that the Undertaker gong goes off right after Kane gets in there. Uh, this had been- this, this is the one thing that I remembered. Yep, I I was so excited to watch this show to see Kane react to the gong yeah. because I knew that that was going to happen. I the two things I remembered were the gong and Goldberg and Brock. That was it. Obviously, and Benoit winning. Um. I can't. I, I'm. I'm. I'm so mad that I watched the Dudleys versus Ric Flair and Batista, and I didn't see the cat. You know, but but that gong moment, man, that's a moment that is, and that is that. There's so much WWE at its worst in this show. That's still WWE at its best, man. They're so good at little things like that, and that's Vince at his best, man. That's that's great stuff. Yeah, and and as for context for that gong and Kane flipping out was that at Survivor Series in November, I believe is in Survivor Series is that was a couple months earlier. Obviously, Vince faced Undertaker in a buried alive match. Kane came out to help Vince bury Undertaker alive, and that killed the biker gimmick. And then this was their on the road to WrestleMania, and Undertaker kept. Every time Kane was in the ring, the gong would go off, the lights would go off, the purple light would shine down, rain would fall on his head, weird things kept happening, lightning strikes, and then it was the return of the dead man, and that ended up happening at WrestleMania 20. Uh, But yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's Randy and Benoit. They were kind of the mainstays. Obviously, Benoit and Randy, they were one and two entrants into the Rumble. They kind of felt like the mainstays throughout the whole thing up until uh, Kurt Angle came in. Kurt Angle came in at 19, and that's kind of when it felt like the real rumble started uh, it's, for me. It's cool, that, it's cool that Benoit and Randy end up many events in SummerSlam then. Right. You know, the, you have one and two in the rumble. Like, that's that's clever, too. It is. Yeah, no, I like – that's a great point. Thank you for doing that. Um, the other thing, too, there's a fan. Whenever Rico comes in at 20, there's a fan in the front row that is starts hammering – an inflatable hammer uh, on the hard cam. He just starts hammering that thing. Shout out to you. You might be a fan of the week here later on. <laughs> because that H- H-O-F number two, bruh. Yes. <laughs> bless you. Dude, bless the child. You want to hit the hard cam with an inflatable hammer? <laughs> Dude, cue okay. scissor fight. Yes. Right now. <laughs> Not messing around and put the hammer down. <laughs> Um, and then right around at 21, this is whenever test music hit. And then I immediately thought, well, I thought about the Twitter account is test still dead. And then yes, popped into my head because McFoley had attacked him, uh, backstage and McFoley stole his spot. And that's whenever McFoley was just going to ask the question. Is he yeah. alive? No. How no. about the, uh, right. how about the chair shot that Orton gives 
uh, only on the outside. Oh, that made me freaking cringe, man. Um, Full blast to the head. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, that was, that was crazy too. Uh, we also have Jericho. He eliminates Christian, and this kind of starts their feud uh, to WrestleMania 20 with Trish Stratus, which ends up being a really good match at WrestleMania that I'm actually like super excited to talk about that one because uh, they have a nice little run there too. Uh, G- Goldberg, Goldberg comes in at 30. He immediately starts hitting jackhammers and spears on everybody, but then at one point, whenever he was in the corner, he just jumps out of what they were doing and sees Nunzio, and he murders that man. That might be one of the best spears that I think he ever had in his WWE run. And that looked like, I think, I don't think Nunzio ever wrestled again after that because that looked (laughs) terrifying. I forgot that the FBI was in the WWE at this time because they got referenced earlier in the show about the FBI. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Johnny Stromboli, freaking Nunzio, man. Well, All right, I'm in. Nunzio's music hits, and he's coming down the ramp. McFoley has Socko, and he turns around and gives Socko to Nunzio on his way down to the ring. So not only did he get Mr. Socko, he got speared by Goldberg when he finally got in. Hey, we uh, we should talk about the uh, the bad. Well, it, it looked a lot worse than what it ended up being, the Cena injury when he landed on the outside. Where he got eliminated. That looked. Yeah, it looked bad. But I, I, I looked it up after I watched it last night. It, it ended up not being as bad. It was a partial tear. It wasn't a full tear. So he ended up he ended up still wrestling on, on it. And I, you know, had a bad. I, I think he hurt his wrist, too. Is, I think I remember seeing that. I think so, yeah. He ended up going to WrestleMania 20 and having and going uh, for the U.S. titles in, in a good match that I can't wait to talk about either. Uh, Lesnar does the run-in after Goldberg finishes up with Nunzio. He does the run-in uh, and F5's Goldberg, and then that that basically sets up their WrestleMania match. Goldberg gets eliminated by Angle right away. So your final four is Kurt Angle. Well, is Big Show. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. So uh, pretty much like it happened kind of quickly. I felt Um, show eliminated Jericho. And then he really, the way that he eliminated Kurt angle while Kurt angle had big show in the ankle lock. And he just kind of like threw his leg over uh, the, over the top rope. And that's what eliminated angle. I thought that was pretty creative. Um, and then it comes down to Benoit and Big Show. And obviously this is why that this is the forgotten Royal Rumble is because Chris Benoit wins. And you can say what you – obviously we do not condone any of his actions. That's what, you, that's what you call a tease, brother. You, you, you said this an hour and 20 minutes ago. We'll get to why it's called the forgotten Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah. I said, brother John, this is how you, this is how you audio, man. (laughs) Nice work, brother. So yes, this is why it's the forgotten rumble because you will see they'll, they WWE will not talk about this rumble, but they'll talk about that damn last man standing match. So that's what sucks. Um, is, and obviously with everything that happened with Chris Benoit, we don't obviously don't condone any of that. It's terrible. It's awful. I know that some people will be turned off by the show just because we're mainly talking about the rumble that, Chris Benoit won, but I felt like there's not a lot of information out there about it, and who better to talk about it than us three workers. <laughs> uh, 
but this pretty much i mean this this leads to obviously the first triple threat match that we ever had to main event of wrestlemania at wrestlemania 20 it ends up being chris benoit and triple h and Shawn michaels in what is a really good main event i think and i can't wait to talk about that one we will talk about that one um but there is a really interesting note about benoit here benoit only eliminated big men so he eliminates big show he eliminated matt morgan I believe he did Mark Henry. He did all the big guys, which I wouldn't have noticed that if it wouldn't be for, obviously, there's another, there's only one other review out there on the internet that I could find that's in video format, and that was uh, Wrestling With Regret, and he and Brian mentioned it on their show where he talked about that it was really interesting that Chris Benoit, in an effort to make him look stronger as an opponent, leading him into the WrestleMania was to eliminate all the big men. But I didn't even pick up on it until I noticed that at the end. I was like, damn, he only eliminated these big guys. That's, that's, that's clever. That's nuanced. That's good. Uh, here's the thing. The crazy thing with the observer pitch. And I was thinking about this while you guys were talking about the rumble that I didn't see that I wish I did after everything that you talked about is that, Dave mentions that there was talks that that triple threat, because it was the first ever triple threat, was going to be a ladder match. Ooh. And that would have been something. That would have been something. Now, Sean, because Sean, for some reason in 2004, decided when it was time to blade, he was going to cut himself from ear to ear and just split, spit as much blood as possible out of his head. Um, and he does the same exact thing in that Mania match. But man, that would have been something. That would and I, I, I am happy that Triple H ended up tapping. Like, that was the only way that that match should have ended. And at that point in time, me and Andretti were probably talking to each other saying, Shawn Michaels is only in this match to lose to Chris Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So the fact that it was Triple H that ends up tapping there is cool. Um, but... The novelty of the man that made the ladder match with a guy that came into super prominence from a ladder match being Triple H to a guy that also came became a credible WWE guy in ladder matches with Benoit because of those uh, Chris Jericho matches. Yes. Like that, that Chris Jericho ladder match, uh, I think that's at Rumble, isn't it? I believe it is Rumble 2000. I was going to say, was it 2000, 2001, something like that? Like, that's an incredible match, too. Um, So that would have been actually a really cool storyline. The other thing that I wanted to say is that the Dave having Brock and Goldberg for the SmackDown title, um, obviously that just goes up in flames whenever Brock is going to the NFL. Yeah. And I didn't even really think about that until, like, you guys were talking and I was going through. So I look, man, give the devil his due there because Meltzer nailed the mania card two and a half months out. And that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, this, a lot of the stuff that happened during this time, even though I was still buying, I was still buying figures, a lot of figures at this time. It's all a blind spot, man. A lot of this stuff, just a blind spot for me and going back and watching it now, it's it's almost like I can't even remember the context of what was happening before that or after that. So I'm kind of only seeing these things in the moment, you know, and, and, that, and 
you know, sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it looks really bad, but I mean, it, it's, it's all just been a blind spot for me with my, you know, fandom over the years, for sure. It's because it's, it's because era. every, it's because every show we watched, we were eating all of the CK's wings and things, <laughs> or we were, or we were indulging into delicious pony lounge food while some hottie waitress was serving us our stuff. <laughs> and, and our concern was, Way more on, does anybody have a chance to get her number than it was who won the last match? Yeah. So that, that's, I'm going to give you the benefit of it out there. Uh, Shout out to the uh, NPC guy that just drove up and down my road for hours and hours from CKs. He's probably still doing it. But uh, so that concludes the Royal Rumble uh, 2004 review. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week. We're going to review uh, this weekend's Royal Rumble. So uh, we're going to jump right up to 20 years, and we're going to be in today's uh, Royal Rumble. It, that Royal Rumble is on Saturday, so if you're listening to this, uh, it'll be a premium live event on Peacock. Uh, make sure that you download, like, and subscribe, and you follow us on Instagram at the underscore podski, and you uh, check us out because we got a lot of good stuff coming. As we said, we talked about it a lot. We're going to be doing No Way Out 2004, and we're going to cap it off with WrestleMania 20 which is kind of like the, the pinup of all this. So um, make sure you uh, be looking forward to that. And thanks to uh, Andretti and Mongoose for sitting ringside today. And with that, we will see you next time on the Podski. Ski.